Good afternoon and um, welcome. I was thinking about the process of um, the seasons of God and, and the changes that he walked you through. And as I was trying to sort it out in my intellect, in my mind, um, God began to say to me or show me, I believe he would begin to say, don't get so caught up in the process that you ignore the destination because your faith is in the destination, not in the process. Now, I've never heard that before, and I've never said that before, but that's pretty deep. He said, your faith is not in what could happen and what might happen, what might be going to happen, but what you believe I've called you to. The process, the, 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 the final destination is what I've called you to. And the things in between, if you get caught up in the process, then you're not walking by faith, you're walking by sight. You're paying attention to, oh, this didn't go right. Well, this didn't go the way I thought it would. Well, I thought God was saying this and that didn't happen. So right away, the process gets in the way of the destination because now you start paying attention to what you see. And I'm because I'm a, a, a systems person, my mind is always trying to work out the process. What's the process? He said, that's fine. I created you that way but I need you ultimately to be focused on the destination. So I started thinking about that. Okay, okay. So I start to see things that cause me maybe hurt, maybe grief, maybe frustration. And I start to pay attention too much to that. And so then you, to get past it, you say, well, all things work together for the good of those who love God. All things work together for the good. But on the inside and in my spirit, it was like, I've seen you do this before. And I know the outcome works in my favor. But it's frustrating right now. It's bothering me right now. And I need to understand how to not be bothered. Um, and the Lord said, well... I'm glad you asked because I will show you, but I'm going to surprise you because what I'm going to show you is not something you don't know. You ready? It's something you haven't practiced. See, we know the Bible, a lot of the word, we know the promises and all the promises of God and yea and amen. And he supplies my needs according to his riches and glory and blah, 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 blah. Right? We know that. But do we practice it? Because it's not real and it's not ours to so we practice it. Knowing how to quote a scripture doesn't make it yours. Just like reading an a, a, a airplane manual doesn't mean you know how to fly a plane. Just because you watched a couple of basketball videos don't mean you can go out there and, and, and take on LeBron James. Okay? You have to practice. You have to put to practice the things you learn until they become reality. Ready for what I'm about to say? Mistakes and all. Oh, we don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to do it wrong. We don't want to go off the edge and look like a fool. Well, I'm coming to the realization, why not? What does it matter what you look like? If you keep practicing, you won't look like that for long. And people will remember your success and forget your failures. 
if you push to fail. I mean, you push past failure to success. I've said this many times in the past, and I'll say it again. Um, you know, people would talk about how Babe Ruth was the home run king and how he had all hit more home runs until um, Hank Aaron broke his record than anybody else ever to play baseball. But I had studied and learned later that he was not only the home run king, he was the strikeout king as well. But he came to bat so many times and was willing to strike out enough to get the record of the most home runs. Wow. How many of us are willing to walk with God and take on whatever failures we got to take on to get to the victory that he's called us to? It, it sounds nice, but you know in the natural it's not fun because we don't want people to see us fail. We don't, we, you know, we want our best foot forward all the time. We always want people to see us in our victories. We want people to come out and celebrate for those moments. But here's what I realize about even moments of victory, if you're listening to me, and I want you to pay close attention to what I'm saying right here. Those moments of celebration are short. Are you listening to me? And if you're not on to the next thing, those moments of celebration are soon forgotten. So, Lindsay and I and our company, FIA NYC, um, went through a season, especially when I first went into um, diversity. And even recently, you know, Lindsay has won some awards. We got magazine covers or magazine articles and newspaper articles and television. And I look at that magazine now and it's like, but that was 2022. It's old. Nobody cares. It's done. It's passed. It was a moment that everybody was like, wow, you know, you guys are not, you're serious. And then it, it's over. It's over. You move to the next thing. Failures can be the same if you would not focus on them so much. We focus on them. So I said, well, the Lord, what is the answer that I need? And he said, I want you to finish this message that you've been doing with a final scripture. And so if we go back to Psalm 23, where we were, so we can finish that and move to the final verse, we will understand. So I won't go back over all the other stuff because it was there and it was expounded upon very, very clearly. And the last thing we touched on is um, even though I walked through the valley, um, sunless valley of death or shadow of valley of the shadow of death, which is just a shadow. I will not fear evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff to guide, they comfort and console me. And I ended by saying, but you have to let him lead. You cannot, if he's the shepherd, you have to let him lead. You can't keep asking God to assist you in your situations or praying for God. God, give me strength as I do this. No, I need to say, I need to let you lead if you're the shepherd. Then when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear evil and I will feel your comfort because you're leading. Gave a couple of examples about a tour guide leading and you don't lead the tour guide, the tour guide leads you. On and on and on. Won't go through that again. But his rod and his staff protects you and comforts you when you let him lead. Part of leadership again, the next verse, verse five. 
You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint and refresh my head with oil. My cup overflows. Let's take that verse there now and let's just kind of walk through this a little bit. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. As I talked about not wanting to be wrong and not wanting to make a mistake or not wanting to be put in a bad light by people and feeling the need to defend myself. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? You find out somebody's talking about you and saying crap, even if you know it's a lie or whatever, or there's some truth to it. Your first thing is, okay, well then let me defend myself. Let me tell you the truth from my perspective. And by the way, since you want to talk about me, I got some stuff about you I could tell, you know, and, and I've, oof, Boy, I've had to deal with that. You know, that, you know, God told me that spirit of retaliation needs to be put to death. And I had to take authority over it even this morning, just in thought, just the thought of, well, if you want to say this, I can say that. And God was like, no, no, you can, but I'm leading. Remember, I'm the shepherd and I'm leading. Let me prepare the table for you in the presence of your enemies. Now, what do I mean by that? How many of you have cooked or prepared meals or anything for anybody? You've done it. If, and I do, especially now, I love cooking and stuff. If I'm preparing a meal for you, I want you to sit your behind down and stay out of my way. I don't want you getting, well, how can I help? Well, can I help? How, did I ask you for any help? No, go, sit your behind down somewhere. Your help is making it take longer. Just go sit down, right? It's the same principle. God's preparing the table. He didn't say, and we shall prepare a table together. He said, I will prepare, prepare for you. And then I will invite you to enjoy what I prepared for you. I need you to listen to what I'm saying. Because some... Not sometime. I'm trying to be nice. Most of the time, we try to get involved in the preparation, and we don't let God prepare the table. We don't let God lay it out for us. We don't let him sit it there, and then we can come. And this is all about being the shepherd still. He needs to lay it out for you and then lead you, bring you, invite you to the table. This is very important. And I'm, I'm going to break it down more thoroughly, but we're just going to walk through it for now. But I just want to lay this out there as a, as a, as a template. All this is about letting the shepherd lead from the beginning of the psalm to the end. It's all about letting him lead and letting him guide. You don't have success when you take control. And I've learned, or you may have some success that you, the success that you're used to every day and tired of and wishing God would change things. He's like, I'm not in control. I can't lead you to the table that I prepared for you. So I've learned something in this even in the disappointment and the frustration or the, what seems like failure, even in that, listen close to me now, listen in close, listen in close. God can use that and is using that because God says, let them talk. Let them say what they want to say because when I come through, they'll see what I've been doing and they have to, bite their own lip they have to live with their own shame and sometimes doing that process it's a separation of you and them so that when i take you where i'm taking you when they come to try to cash in you remember no 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 you weren't part of this 
And don't try to say you are now, unless God tells you to show mercy and be a blessing. The bottom line is that, se that separation or that shame is so that when he shows up, you don't get credit, he does. And whether they want to accept it or reject it, they see it. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and it was talking about somebody trying to throw their past over them. Well, you always been this and you always been that and you always been, and they were like, but I'm not that person anymore. And I'm like, doesn't matter. They need to see you that way because seeing you as you are makes them have to acknowledge their failure. So they don't want to accept, even though it's right in front of them, that you have the victory. So failures in the eyes of man, if you don't make it about you, I'm preaching to myself right now, God will get to show up on your behalf. He'll get to come through for you so that all of the naysayers, and he says, and those who rise against me speak against me, I will prove them wrong. Through God, God will raise you up and you will show them that your God is bigger than their mouth. And your God is bigger than their criticism. And your God is bigger than their judgment. And God will show and I think what was said during the conversation when we were talking was they said to them that you were so selfish or so something self-righteous. You self-righteous, you think you're holier than now. And they said, when I said to them, but I'm blessed. Look at my life. You're, you're speaking on how, you know, things are working for me. So if I'm so if I'm what you say I am, why does God keep blessing me and not you? Okay, I, I got to go. I don't want to talk anymore. And that's what you get when it comes to that situation. Good. Now let God convict because it's up to God in, in between them and God. It's not my fight. It's not your fight. And I'm learning that, you know, just in my life, but watching people around me. Let people say what they want to say. Let people think what they want to think. You just let the shepherd lead and he will prepare your table while they're talking crap. God's over there preparing a the table. Are you listening to me? Why they're saying all men are evil against you? God's over there preparing your table. When they're trying to plot to get a hold of what you got and try to take possession of it or try to act like they're now, God is over there preparing the table. They, they don't even see what God is doing on the table. They're trying to get their hand in what you got today. They're trying to get their hand into what they perceive you already have. But God, like say, no, the table that I'm preparing for you and that I invite you to, they can't come. Even if you want to invite them, they can't come. They don't fit at that table. Oh, listen to what I'm saying to you, saints of God. God's preparing that table. And what you need to believe by faith, remember I started by saying God had to show me that I get so caught up in the process. And then like, no, 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 no. The process is the, the faith is in the destination, not in all of the process stuff. Yes, learn from the process, but the destination is where faith is. You don't need to see and know every detail of what I'm doing. So while I'm over here dealing with this, he's over here preparing a table and he's doing it in the presence of my enemies, meaning so that they can see it, that they can understand that he did it. Take your hands out, back off, let God prepare the table. And what I want to, but, but I, that's not what I want to say. What I want to say is I first need you to acknowledge that the table is being prepared. I want you to take a minute right now and accept in your spirit that even right at this very second that we're on this Zoom, God is somewhere preparing a table for you. You don't even know what's going to be on the table. You don't know what he's cooking, but he knows what you like. 
and you know what he's got going on. And that table is being put together. And it's being put together for you. And the table ain't just about food. It's about success. It's about life. It's about health. It's about peace. It's about everything. God is preparing your life. He's putting it together. How many of you can think about times right now that there's things you're living in today that once upon a time you didn't know that thing was even real, but you was praying and a hoping and a hoping and a praying and a praying and a hoping, and then God, you said God showed up. Well, he didn't just show up with it out of nowhere. He was preparing that table, then he came and got you. So all the success that you're seeing right now in your life, that's God's been preparing that table. Stay out the kitchen, mind your business, let him do what he's doing. He's a better cook than all of us. He knows what he's doing. Now, watch this. Let's bring it on home. Wow. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil and my blessings overflow. That's if he prepares the table, not you. Let him lead. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy, when I let him prepare, when I let him lead, follows me all the days of my life. Hmm. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I can't, you know, I'm praying. I just don't know what to do. Well, if you letting him lead, I, I need you to get this picture. I need you to get this. Come on, stay with me. Ready? He's in front. The power of God, his love and his blessings are always in front of you. He's preparing a table and more than one, but he's preparing it. He's in front, you're right behind him, and goodness and mercy is right behind you. So you got God in front and goodness and mercy following behind. You covered in front, you covered in the back. That's a powerful revelation for me. God's leading. He's the shepherd. I'm following. If I stumble and fall back, goodness and mercy is there to catch me and push me back up. Oh, Jesus. I need you to understand God doesn't have a plan for you that doesn't have a backup. He doesn't have a plan for you that's not foolproof. He doesn't have a plan for you that doesn't cover everything that could possibly happen. He's in front. You're in the middle. Goodness and mercy is behind you. Just keep walking. I was so elated when the revelation hit me, even when you fall back, you fall back into goodness and mercy. If I stumble forward, the shepherd got me. If I stumble back, goodness and mercy pushed me right back up. Oh, Jesus. All the days of my life. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But there's times I just said, all the days of my life. There's not a day that goodness and mercy is not following me. I need you to get this picture now. I need you to get this picture. The table is being prepared. Just picture it right now. It's being prepared right now. It's being prepared right now. Just picture that. Right now. Follow the shepherd and trust that behind you, goodness and mercy has got you covered. 
and then you will dwell in the Lord's house and in his presence forever. I said, God, that's powerful. I get it. How do I stay focused on this reality that you are preparing the table? Even though I don't see what's on the table, you're doing it. You don't need my help to prepare the table. You need me to just follow you. Okay, I like that. And as I follow you, you put goodness and mercy behind me to keep anything from sneaking up on me from the back. And if I stumble back, you're gonna catch me. I got it. I love it. How do I stay focused? How do I keep that reality before me? And I'm said to you in the beginning of this message, these gifts are practiced. They're not yours automatically. You got to practice believing that he's preparing the table for you. You got to practice following the shepherd. You got to practice confessing and believing that goodness and mercy are behind you, following you. You got to sit with that stuff with faith until it becomes your reality. But here's what he said to me today. And I said, well, how do I stay on that track? And he said, go to Matthew 6.33. Now, before I read that, I'm going to help you out. The whole Matthew 6 starts with him saying, take no thought for your life. What you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, or how you're going to be clothed. That's what the heathen do. Come on. And your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. Isn't the body more than raiment and food? How many of you want me to just walk through some of these scriptures so... So you can just be up to date or, or you'll know the story and you're good. Walk through it. Okay. Start at verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves do not break through and steal. This is where he says, don't lay up for your treasures in earth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stop. I just gave you this whole thing about he's preparing a table for you. Where? In the presence of your enemies. He's doing that in heaven. When he says, lay up not for yourself treasures on earth, people say, don't get anything on earth. No, that's not what he said. He said, don't lay up your treasures there. Don't look for the manifestation or the move of God to be in earth. It's in heavenly things. If I'm expecting him to prepare a table for me, I'm expecting that in heaven. And I'm expecting my breakthrough to come through what he's doing for me. So don't lay it up on earth. Don't I work 50 hours a day. I get very little sleep. My health is declining. And he said, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm doing business deals now. I'm doing stuff, but I'm being very mindful when I catch myself fretting, overworking, 
tribulating over things. And I found that people who know me and know how to push or knew how to push the buttons consistently did stuff to pull me up into emotional mental realm where therefore I was no longer watching the shepherd. And I've watched it like in the past couple of weeks, like really, really, really not even so much the people, but just me and saying, God, help me react right. So this message is spoken to me. And so I've gone in by the Holy Spirit and I've disconnected the buzzers. Hmm. You know, he said, people keep pushing your button. Well, if it ain't connected, it's just pushing a button. It ain't going to ring. <laughs> it's just a button. They just stand there just pushing the button until their fingers break. Just break your hand, pushing the button, knock yourself out. The button is no longer attached to my nervous system. It's no longer attached to my emotions. It's no longer attached to my dreams and my destiny and my future. It's no longer attached. And I've been working with God. He's been walking me through this whole past week of just, okay, disconnect that one. All right, good. Now let's go over here. We got another one. We're going to disconnect that one. Okay, we're going to go over here. We're going to disconnect that one. And the enemy will try to sneak in at night and reattach it. But God has his, he has his ministry angels out there, smack him in his head and say, get up away from here. You don't belong here. You can't reattach it. He has to. You didn't hear what I just said. When God frees you, the devil can't reconnect you. You have to. You have to say yes. He can suggest it. He can put the temptation in front of you. He can put the frustration in front of you. He can put the whatever in front of you. He can put the low self-esteem in front of you. He can put whatever he wants to put in front of you, but he can't connect it. You have to agree and connect. And I've been saying every time God gave me that one word, nope, I do not submit to the spirit of retaliation. I don't. I say no to it. I say no to it. I say, boy, I've had to say that so many times out loud this week. Nope. Nope. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. I don't care what they say, what they do. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to respond. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Not going to do it. And I've watched God move in such a mighty way in this past week in terms of letting him lead. So don't let the earthly things be your treasure. If they like you, if they love you, if they hate you, if they adore you, don't lay up treasure in it, good or bad. Keep your focus on the kingdom promise. So let's keep it going. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Hmm? That's where your heart will be. That's where your heart will be. The heart is your central system that keeps you alive and you focus on or the things of your heart using that as let me let me explain it like this thank you lord people could be brain dead if their heart is still working your heart stops working you're done and what the enemy will do and why the lord uses the the heart as an example here is because that emotional breakdown can stop you from flowing and everything else you're supposed to flow. That, that frustration, that emotional baggage, that anger, that anguish, 
All of that stuff will stop you from flowing. It'll stop you from moving into things God has called you to because you're caught up in the things that's uh, uh, matters of the heart that hurt you so much. Who am I speaking to right now? The matters of the heart, man, they will... Whew, and the enemy knows. So those are, the, those are the avenues he'll come. But you don't have to be attached. And you just find your anchor. And you say, no, 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 no. I will not retaliate. And that's the word that's been the word of the season for me. I will not retaliate. I will not retaliate. I will not retaliate. I will not. I will hold my peace so that the Lord can fight my battle. But I will not retaliate. And the people of God said, Okay, amen, I heard you. So now, for the light of the body, no, he says, for where your heart, for where your treasure is and where your heart will be. So the thing that you treasure the most is what you'll be focusing your heart on. If it's the people, it's the world, the good, the bad, that's what you focus on. The light of the body is the eye. Be careful what you keep your eye on or staring at. If therefore thy eye be single, your whole body should be full of light. Listen to this verse. If therefore your eye is focused on one thing, your whole body will be full of light. Who's your eye focused on? The shepherd. And if your eye is focused on the shepherd, who is the light of the world, then your whole body will be full of light. Listen to me. I won't go long, but listen to me. Medical problems, focus on the doctor, focus what they said, look at all the YouTube videos on your issue, study it back and forth, how many 50,000 different kinds of herbs I can take, all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying don't do that, don't do that stuff. I'm saying, where's your eye? Where's your focus? Okay, I'll take this, fine. I'll take this herb, fine. But my eye needs to be on the light. And if it is, my whole body would be light. Jesus, I started the message by saying this. Listen, don't get so caught up in the process that you forget the destination. The destination is the shepherd. And if I keep my eye on him, everything else will illuminate. The table's being prepared. My God. I needed to, I need this message today. I needed this message. I don't know if you need it, but I'm telling you right now, I needed this message for myself today. So the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single, focused, then your whole body should be filled with light, with Christ, with healing, with everything that goes with light. But if that eye is focused on the evil, listen to me, because we say if your eye is evil, my eye is not evil. No, if your eye is focused on the stuff, you don't have to be evil, but people can be evil around you and doing evil to you or saying evil around you and you focused on them. Stay with me. But if your eye is evil, then that whole body should be filled with darkness. Focus on the shepherd. I'm going to keep saying it. If therefore, the, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? What is he saying? Ready? No man can serve two shepherds, two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, 
or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Hate one, love the other. If not hate, you hold to one. I don't hate the Lord. Okay, got it, got it. Good, you're off the hook. Hallelujah, amen. But the other side is, or else you will hold to one and despise the other. You may not hate him, but you may hate his method and hold to the other method. That word was for me. I don't know if it was for you, but that word, when God told me you need to be free from the spirit of retaliation, he said, you don't hate me, but you despise waiting. You want to retaliate. You cling to that, though. So you may not hate the Lord, but you may hate his method. Oh, I'm not getting a whole lot of shouting or nothing right now. Everybody quiet and stone-faced. But let me just tell you this. God said, people are quick to say, I don't hate the Lord. Peter said that, too. Said to be you, Peter, not me. Oh, mm, never me. Mm, mm, no. mm, mm, never me. Yeah, to be you. No, 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 no. Yeah, because in his heart, he knew he loved the Lord. Do you love me, Peter? Of course I love you, Lord. You, you should love to feed my sheep. Okay, I'm, I think I'm doing. Do you love me, Peter? What? Yeah, yeah. After the third time, he said, why, Lord, why do you keep saying this? The Lord said, because when you're young, you do your own thing. You go your own way. You make your own decisions in Jesus' name. But when you get old and you can't carry yourself around and you got to get picked up and be moved by somebody got to take you by your hand and lead you, you'll understand what I'm saying. Listen close, listen close, listen close. What he's saying is don't wait till you get old and somebody got to lead you by the hand. He's giving a spiritual analogy. When you're young in spirit and young and further in energy, you want to run around and do what you want to do. But why don't you let the shepherd take your hand and lead you now? lead you now this is what this is all about you will love one and hate the other or else you just hold to the other and despise the other's methods and direction you cannot serve god and mammon and people say that means money it doesn't just mean money that's not the truth it means wealth it means treasure it means riches it means um anything that is personified and opposed to god that's the definition. I'm reading it. Mammon is treasure or things that you value. And treasure, things people treasure don't have to be money. I've talked to people and they treasure collecting bugs and guns and, and this is their treasure. They were stamps and all of that stuff. Oh, I'm short everything. I make sure if anything happens. And I'm like, okay. And it's so funny. I showed the guy a picture of my guitar collection, and he said, you got like 13, 12, 13 guitars. Why do you need that many guitars? I said, dude, you got 19 guns. Why do you need 19 guns? Yeah, I guess you're right. And people collect cars. It's the same thing. It's a treasure to you. I have over close to 700 action figures. They're not treasure. They're in a the box thrown up in storage right now. Treasure is him. And if he says, give it all away tomorrow, it's gone. You can't serve God and serve mammon. He didn't say you can't serve God and have mammon. He said you can't serve it. You can't live for it. It can't be your desire and your quest in life. Even success and being successful can be mammon. Being rich, one day I'm going to be so rich, I'm going to be so wealthy, I'm going to show everybody. You can't serve mammon. It can't be your priority. Being in a position of power and control, that's mammon. 
I need to be in control. I need to have the last word. I need to do that. You can't serve God in that. Am I helping somebody today? You can't serve God in, in these things. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life. What you're going to eat or what should you drink? Nor your body, what should you put on it? Is not the life more than meat and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns. They don't work 48-hour weeks, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? He said, look at the birds of the air. I take care of them. They don't run around drop going crazy and, and cussing each other out and on, on the freeway and all that kind of stuff and you know, arguing about this and that, who got a raise and who didn't and who got a bigger worm and what kind of God is it, why he give you the big worm and not me. They don't go through any of that. But he feeds them. He said, aren't you not much better? And which of you by taking thought can add one inch to his height? And why take thought ye for your clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and toil not. Neither do they spin, they don't work either. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not as pretty or arrayed like these flowers in the field. Wherefore, if God so clothes, the, puts clothes on or clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven or the fire or burnt up by the sun or whatever the case in the drought. Shall he not much more clothe you? And then he makes a statement. Oh, ye of little faith. What's his statement? Why are you focusing on the process and not focusing on the shepherd who is the provider? Well, God, how are you going to make that happen? Well, God, how are you going to do this thing? Well, God, I don't have enough money in the bank to do that kind of down payment. And, you know, all that kind of stuff I'm thinking about because I'm looking at projects on this level. I, and at one point, this thought just came over me. Well, how did you get anything you have? You didn't have anything to do any of this once upon a time. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, how quickly we forget, huh? He said, you didn't forget. You ready? Said in the beginning, you're not practicing it. You know the truth. You're not practicing it. Hmm. You know peace, you're not practicing it. You've seen my provision, you're not practicing it. You know faith, you're not practicing it. If you haven't ridden a bike in the past 10 years or so, you know how to ride it, but you may stumble and crash and have some accidents in that first time out, but you're not practicing. You say you believe, I know you believe, but are you putting it to practice? You won't grow in it if you're not in practice. I don't care how good you once were. Kwame's in the boxing, he knows this is go for any sport, not just boxing. You could be the best boxer in the world. You don't get in the ring for a couple of years, they talk about that ring rust right away. Like you got to get in there and you got to practice again and you got to get your game up or you're going to get your face punched in. It is what it is. You have to practice these principles. 
and you practice them by keeping your eye on the shepherd. Well, there's so many things. How do I know? Should I be looking at faith now? Should I be studying, you know, just serenity right now? Should I just be meditating? Do I need to be fasting? You need to watch the shepherd and do what the shepherd says. And goodness and mercy will have you in the back, but you got to have a shepherd leading. What's he telling us to do right now? That should be our focus and nothing else. There's so many things I could do. Yeah, and, and, and you drive yourself crazy trying to get every biblical aspect of your life right. But if you just follow him and do what he says right now, he'll make it plain. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or where should we be clothed? And this is the point of points. For after these things do the heathens or the Gentiles. See, he's saying, when you do that, you're acting like them. You're acting like a heathen. You're acting like somebody who won't have a relationship with God. You're acting like somebody who won't have a, a savior or a God who's preparing a table for you. You're acting like you don't have a covenant. You're acting like you don't have a covering. You're acting like you don't even know what goodness and mercy following you even is. He said, when you act like this, worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, how you're going to pay your bills, and what kind you're going to get this new car, and all this kind of stuff, he said, you're acting like a heathen. You're acting like a person without God. That's what heathen means. Don't mean an evil, sinful person like we like to make it. It means a person who don't have God. For after all these things do the godless people seek. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. He don't have a problem with you needing them. He knows you need them. That's why he's preparing the table. Because he knows. That's why he's putting it in order with goodness and mercy following you. Because he knows. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and right standing with him and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me make this clear. Seek ye I'm acting like I can hear you. First. Alright, so if he says seek ye first it don't mean you can't seek the other things but he says this is your first priority. This is your prerequisite. This is your focus. Yes, you have to work to pay a bill. Yes, you need to sit down and do a budget and figure out how you spend your money and that you don't spend it foolishly. Yes, there are different deals and business negotiations and things you should do. Those things exist. But first, seek the kingdom. First, seek the shepherd. First, seek the guidance. First, what does that mean? So I go to him first and then I leave him and go do my other stuff? No, he means you keep your focus on him throughout the full process from beginning to end, left, right, up and down, side to side. If I'm doing something with him and he's leading me and I find I took my attention off of him and I'm putting more attention on the product than I am on him, I stop. That's what I started this message by saying. God told me, you get too caught up in the process sometime, you forget the destination. Get your eye back on me and what I'm doing and you see how it all comes together. Yes, pay attention to it. The hand of the diligent tends to plenty. Be diligent, but let your diligent first be, seek ye first me, the kingdom, and then all of these other things will fall into place. Wow. Wow. Yes, Lord. I've seen this in the past. The watch pot doesn't boil. I'm looking at it and it's taking forever. I take my eye off it and put it on you and it all comes together. I got you. I got you. 
Okay. All right. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow. For the tomorrow will take. Wow. For tomorrow will take thought of the things of itself. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient every day is what you got to deal with. You don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Seek the kingdom first. Seek the shepherd first. Seek his direction first. And all of these things will be added. He says, I know you have need of these things. I know you do. I'm not insensitive. I'm not a God who cannot be touched by your emotions, your feelings. I got it. But if you want your situation to be filled with light, if you want your direction to be clear, seek first the shepherd, the kingdom, the resource from above that's not in your present hand. Keep your faith on the destination that he's promised and he's called you to. And all these things, he knows that what's necessary to get it done. He knows how much budget you need. He knows what kind of team you need. He needs what kind of employees you need. He knows what kind of finances you need. He knows what kind of contracts you need to sign. He knows what kind of deals need to go down. He knows all of these things. He knows them. 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 But seek the destination, the kingdom, the purpose first, and everything else is already taken care of. I can't wait to see what my table looks like that he's preparing for me right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.